0: and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are talking about books that feature characters getting a fresh start or starting over, which is kind of fun for spring. I think we yeah. think of starting over or like thinking about making changes at New Year's, but then spring also feels like a fresh time to to do something new. So I like this topic a lot, Anne. I think that, um, when I was looking over all of our,
1: our, uh, books we're going to talk about, it's very common for this to be a romance and relationship fiction trope. So I think we'll talk about several of those kinds of books in this, in this discussion. I I think it comes up more, it it does come up in other books, but I think that, that those genres tend to, to really dig into those kinds of transformational experiences in life. So, um. So yeah, relationships. Oh, had. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> apologies that we're talking about so many of the of those kinds of books.
0: Yeah, those are all all of mine are because that's just the first thing. Yeah, it's just a very common theme. So we have uh, I refer to novelist a lot. I know on this podcast, but where I work, <laughs> we have it's a database of books that we add different metadata access points to, and one of the things we add are um, they're called themes, or some people know them as tropes. Um, a very popular. Um, elements in things like romance and science fiction, like it, mm-hmm. fans of those genres, tend to know what their favorite trope is. So, romance is something I know pretty well. And so, people will say, you know, uh, enemies to lovers, books are my favorite. So, right. the, the theme of starting over is um, we have one called bouncing back. And I think that's a very common theme in relationship yeah. fiction where somebody has some sort of event in their life that causes them to have to reassess or start over or you, something happens. that The life that they knew changes uh, completely and they have to start from scratch pretty much. Right. And so that's just so prevalent in relationship fiction that uh, all three of mine are like that. I was just trying to think of how that would work in in like a speculative fiction book
1: of it definitely could be the case where someone is starting Mm -hmm. a new chapter in their life but you just don't see it in yeah that's an interesting kind of done the same way
0: yeah I'm sure you I'm sure there are I can't I guess I'm not well versed enough in those genres to know but I would imagine that you'd have it would be it would play out slightly differently I think right but you would have you could certainly have a fantasy or a science fiction novel where somebody I don't I don't know it probably well, you know even, had some sort of event that they go somewhere new or they go on a quest right. in a fantasy or something and yeah but it usually doesn't have that that I'm I'm coming back up or I'm
1: I'm I mean I guess you could do the I regenerated myself or regenerated in right some right, way. right that right. would work with with those uh genres but but like in in mysteries you just don't you maybe see someone who goes to a new location and they start like like one of the books that i i had already talked about um but would have worked for this was uh um a deadly inside scoop because it's Mm -hmm. someone that's leaving a location and coming and sort of starting a new career and so you and and that's not the maybe the difference with with romance and relationship fiction is that it's it's more the main plot with um whereas with a mystery it's like this is the means to getting them to their yes. mystery solving. Yes. Abilities.
0: That's a great point. Yes. Because I just uh, a couple of months ago read a mystery that I'm trying to think. I think you maybe talked about for the, the preview episode, Arsenic and Adobo by oh, Men yeah. and Sala. Uh, and that's exactly what that is too, where she comes back to her help her family's restaurant and she's I think just had a bad breakup and so she's sort of starting over but she's thinking she's there temporarily and then mm-hmm. so yeah you're right but it, that's just sort of setting the stage for then the mystery that happens right. that's not the whole story whereas right. in relationship fiction generally that is the whole story it's all right. about what the character goes through as they're starting over that's
1: a good right. point oh I love when I'm smart so you are so smart. so smart it happens so rarely <laughs> when I when I feel that way Always smart. Yeah, but I'm also the youngest, so I, every oh, time yeah. I say something that I that's in any way astute, I second guess myself so much that I don't uh, finish the thought.
0: <laughs> have more faith in yourself, Ann. You're uh... smart. <laughs> all right, and so uh, given that, why don't we go ahead and, and just dive into it, and we can talk about all these relationship fiction books that we're going to talk about.
1: I have one that's not. I know you so. do. I know you do. I was happy to see that. Yay. Okay, but, but not my first one. The first yeah. one is, is definitely uh, in line with what we've been talking about. So it's called So We Meet Again by Suzanne Park. And I just finished an advanced copy of this this last weekend. And it doesn't actually come out until August. So um, apologies that you can't get your hands on it right now. And also, don't read the back of the book. It tells you way too much information about about the entire plot of the book. So just ignore it and listen to me your benevolent leader who will never steer you wrong on on what to read. So it's about a New York City investment banker named Jess Kim who is used to taking one for the team. Um, she does all the hard work that other people um, read men instead, uh, take credit for, and she is always working late and always putting in just just much more time than anyone else that she works with is willing to do. But she believes that that will eventually pay off in the end with with some sort of big promotion. So she's called into an online meeting one afternoon with uh, the company's HR representative. And it turns out to be a mass layoff. And she's the only one of her group who who wasn't on probation. And so she's like, why am I being laid off if if I'm, if I'm a good worker and she's told that she just doesn't have leadership potential. So um, as she's leaving her office for the last time with all of her stuff, she overhears two executives talking about her and they say that these are people that she's, she's bent over backwards to help in, in all kinds of ways, both in their, their personal lives and in their professional lives. And um, basically they say that she's someone who is overpaid both as a woman and as an Asian woman. And so she just lays into them and, and tells them all the things that she she sacrificed for them. So um obviously that's a, a bridge that's burned. And so she moves back home to Nashville, uh, which is very really fun for me to read about. And she has to live in her parents uh in her her childhood home and it with her parents and she's even in her childhood bedroom and she just takes that time to reevaluate her, reevaluate reevaluate her entire life and she just doesn't have any ideas. So um, one afternoon, she's helping her very opinionated mother make some Korean dishes for their local church, um, some sort of social gathering. And she runs into her childhood nemesis, Daniel Choi, who is someone she was always compared to as a, a kid and and sort of forced to compete with. And he had always been this this dorky kid with a bowl cut, but now he's very, very attractive. But he's still just as aggravating and and he's very... Uh, infuriatingly successful. So um, she just really struggles to see him that way. So she's um, she knows that he's going to be back home in Nashville for a while and she's annoyed with him, but she's also very curious about his history. So um, the food that she ends up making for this event goes over really well. And she's reminded of the fun she used to have doing um, like live YouTube videos for for, uh, cooking Um, Korean food when she was in college and so she gets the idea to restart the channel and to make videos showing how to hack food delivery kits like Blue Apron Um, using Korean flavors. So in the the first video her mother starts to chime in and she is an instant hit and it really drives popularity of these videos through the roof and so the business takes off and throughout this process Daniel is sort of always there because he seems to show up whenever she's working on the business and helps to to orchestrate her connections and gives ideas and she's uh annoyed that he's there but she sort of can't help but warm up to him because he's so good at what he does and so that sort of opens up the possibilities of thinking of him in new uh, more romantic ways so um I will say this book is is marketed as a romance novel and I think it wants to be a romance novel but it's really not it's much, much more about the business and sort of her personal development than it is about the romance. So, um, there is a, there is romance, but I just don't think if you're a romance reader that this is going to give you the notes that you're Mm -hmm. really looking for. Um, but it's very light and it's a little snarky. And I'm pretty sure that the, if I'm remembering right, the author is a, either a former comedian or is currently also working that way. So, um, so she, she just makes it more of a, a sort of goofy, um, look how pathetic my life is kind of kind of <laughs> comments that are fun um and if you're smart you will do as i did and order some korean food Absolutely. to read along with this because it's just you're just punishing yourself if you don't that's so, the only
0: choice to make that's what i was gonna choice. say that about that book that sounded especially fun to me is the cooking part because mm-hmm. i don't know i like books that include an element of food always
1: i'm always for that i download so many of them when we get we get advanced copies i'm always like oh there's a food hell okay
0: i'm reading a, something um right now which is actually not the what i'm reading this week because i finished what i was talking about for what i was reading this week and started a new one uh but it's a historical fiction that's sort of like the great british bake-off
1: oh i i'm looking at that right now yeah. the kitchen front kitchen front by jennifer yeah Ryan,
0: yes i know all right so uh my first one is the switch. oh let me see the name of it again sorry. oh sorry sorry it was
1: uh so we meet again by suzanne park
0: okay my first one is the switch by beth o'leary oh i like that book you've read this yeah it was cute i oh, listened to so it cu- yeah it's so cute so this is just fun and it's about two people starting over which i think makes it perfect for this episode <laughs> um so the the younger woman is lena cotton and her sister died Relatively recently, although not sort of right before the start of the book, but she is clearly grieving and not actually doing a very good job of grieving. Like she's trying to pretend she's okay and she has everything under control and she really doesn't. And she uh, tries to do, has some big presentation at work and ends up having a panic attack in the middle. And her boss says, why don't you take a sabbatical and take a couple of months, go off somewhere or, you know, just don't come to work. The stress of it isn't good for you. You need to deal with whatever you're dealing with. And um, then you can come back in a couple of months and be back in fighting form kind of thing. And Lena is very close to her grandmother who lives in a little small village and who would like to meet a nice man. Her husband left her and is sort of thinking, you know, she's she would like to find somebody to to be a companion and have a little romance in her life, uh, but there aren't really many options in her small village and and she just thinks, well, that's all right, that's just sort of my lot in life at this point so they ha they are talking one day and Lena does not have a very good relationship with her mother it's she's very close with this grandmother but not very close with her mother and so as they start talking, Lena's grandmother suggests that maybe they should swap places for a little while and she Lena has this two-month break, and she can come stay in Eileen is the grandmother's name. She can come stay in Eileen's house, and Eileen will pick up and move to London for a couple of months and get to have some big adventures and have some fun. And then Lena can come and just have kind of some quiet time, be closer to where her mother lives, and maybe repair that relationship a little bit. Uh, And so they switch. And then we go along as readers and get to see kind of how they start over in these new these new places in their lives and and because it's supposed to be only for two months they do things that feel temporary but you as a reader know they're probably going to have a pretty big impact on -hmm. their lives and so it's 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 so fun to see them especially in the aspects of the person's life that they're swapping with because so eileen moves into lena's flat and so her flatmates become friends of Eileen's and so they're in their 20s or 30s and Eileen's in maybe her 70s and but they become friends and they look to her for advice and for help and what to do in their lives because she has life experience that they can learn from. And then Lena is in this small town and ends up or small village and ends up realizing that her grandmother was involved in a whole lot of things in the town and helped a lot of people. And sorry, the details are a little bit fuzzy, but I feel like she was involved in planning some sort of town event Right. um, right. that now suddenly it's falling on Lena's shoulders to do. Uh, So it's just I found it so charming. I thought both of the characters were really, really likable. I cared about both of their journeys. I cared about Lena and sort of seeing her heal and come to terms with her grief and sort of seeing her get some happiness in her life. And then Eileen, I loved seeing, embracing what this life in London had to offer her. And she goes on some dates and she has some Mm -hmm. adventures and it's just, (laughs) I don't know, she's living life to its fullest, which is really fun to see. So I found it to be just a complete delight and heartwarming and touching and all those good things that I love in a book. So that's The Switch by Beth O'Leary. One of the things that's
1: really enjoyable about that book too, is that they're they switch places, but their personalities are so similar that they both kind of do the same things yeah. separate from each other. So mm. if you or I had two months off of work, there would be a whole lot of reading that, that happens, I think. And both of them are just, just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to dig in and find these projects. And, yeah. and I know that um, Lena especially, she she's she isn't happy about having two months off. She, right. she wants oh, something yes, some to right. Take up her time, and so she just like gets in there and <laughs> tries to find all these projects yeah. to do and things, and that's exactly what her grandmother is doing in London, where mm-hmm. she she like starts this, uh, like benevolent society kind right. of thing. And, right. and it's just cute to see how they're they're basically the same person, just removed from, uh, you know, have a generation in between right, them. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's a really cute book.
0: Yeah, and one of the things, though Again, like I said, it's, it's sort of starting over, but it's kind of not because they, they think it's just temporary, but it really does change their lives. So in effect, it is starting over. And I mm-hmm. just yeah, I thought it was adorable.
1: Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, okay, next is a darker take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next, I'll talk about Crimson Lake by Candace Fox. And I am shocked that neither of us have talked about this book. I really thought one of us had talked about it at one point because I know we both liked it. Yeah, and... I'm surprised. Yeah, I went through, I mean, unless our spreadsheet no, I, is lying, I but yeah, I, I don't know where it would be, but um, it's, it. so this is a mystery and it's about a former detective named Ted Concaffy, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Um, apologies to Australian listeners who <laughs> tell me that there is a different way. Um, and he has just, just left Sydney after being accused of a horrific crime. Um, so he had been he he was driving and he saw I think a teenager uh, or, or like a younger teenager um, on the side of the road and he stopped to ask her if she was okay and he was witnessed um, doing that so someone passed by and, and watched this happen and then six minutes later she disappears and she ends up being abducted and beaten and I think she survives it's um, i apologies I've I read this a while ago and I I don't remember exactly but um, I'm pretty sure she survives and so um, but she doesn't say who who did this. And so Ted goes to trial, but he's not convicted, but he's a household name and he's hated wherever he goes. And I, I think that his marriage fails and and he he loses his family too. So he really has nothing left in his life. So on the advice of his lawyer, um, he moves to a rural backwater town called Crimson Lake, and it's this sort of croc infested marsh (laughs) and um and just very atmospheric and and people there know who he is as well but it's really too remote for for anyone else outside of the town itself to put up a fuss about him being there so it's it's really the only place he can go so his lawyer connects him with a woman named Amanda Farrell. And she is herself a convicted murderer for the death of a friend when they were teenagers. But she, she now has become this private investigator as as her uh, career, uh, which is not exactly what you would think of. But he agrees to help her with an investigation that she's working on um, of the disappearance of a local best-selling author. And so as they're working together, they're both just openly hated. Like, they have nothing going on for them <laughs> in this town but that also means they don't have anything to lose so they really can ask any question they want because they're not needing to they're, they're they don't have any relationships that they're trying to preserve with with anyone there so um, so it's just this interesting you you don't normally see definitely the dark horse uh, investigator is is a trope but you don't see quite that that type as as you see with these two people, so um, so as they're working, Ted becomes convinced that Amanda is uh, not guilty, or or he just is not sure of of what happened with the crime that she went to prison for. So as they're they're working on this case, he's also secretly looking into her background and trying to find out a little bit more about that. So um he learns that she's a fairly eccentric person and that sort of adds to the sense of une- unease that he has because he's never really sure if he can trust her, but again, he has nothing to lose. He's he mm-hmm. is fine with with this is the only relationship he has right now so um so I really loved this book um there are three mysteries going on so his the story of him the story of Amanda and the story of the case they're working on and they play off each other in really satisfying ways and and really add to the sense of unease because no one that you're dealing with is really reliable and the town itself is really claustrophobic and um and so I love mysteries that really add the add to the the mysteriousness of, of the story with, with the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, and the town itself is just really well drawn both in the physical space and in the, um, the way that the open hostility and Mm -hmm. menacing, um, townspeople are shown. So, um, so this, this was a favorite a couple of years ago for me, but Mm -hmm. somehow because I do this all the time, I haven't read the rest of the series. So (laughs) I'm a little bit annoyed about myself, um, for that, but this is, this is a great read-alike if you enjoy Tana French or um who's jane the harper. other person jane, jane harper. harper yes yep. yes Yes. So, absolutely a good read alike and so we actually is, oh
0: sorry oh so it's crimson lake by uh, candace fox we have the third one sitting on wherever you have all your books oh <laughs> excellent because i suggested it and we we have it so i think i think andrea actually is going to nominate it for sweet Adrenaline. yeah so okay so you know. i will look for it yeah, I liked that one a lot too, and I didn't. I don't think I read the second one, but I, I would like to because that was mm-hmm. I really, really did like that one a lot, and I agree with everything you said. It just had a great, great atmosphere, and the mysteries mm-hmm. were really good. Like I don't think I had figured out the mystery by the end, right? So yeah And really it's
1: fun. also fun. Like I really enjoy mysteries series where there's there's a standalone aspect, but then yeah. there's also an overreaching yeah arc to it, and so that that got
0: both in there so yeah it's a good one yeah all right so my next one is things you save in a fire by katherine center and this is another i mean all of mine are relationship fiction i'm just gonna (laughs) say it right here uh but this one is about a woman a woman named cassie and i think actually this is the only book i've ever read by katherine center but i think she's a pretty well-known popular author for relationship fiction i think she's one of those authors that's um really reliable as far as she writes books that that satisfy the readers that like relationship fiction. So I should really read more from her because I did like this one quite a lot. And I know that, um, you know, I'm a big relationship fiction reader. So I'm guessing I would like her other books. But anyway, uh, so this one's about a woman named Cassie. She's a firefighter in Austin, Texas. And she and the rest of the crew are really, really close. She loves her job. Um, I don't know. She's just kind of living life in a way that makes her happy and then one night they're at an award ceremony for I think it's for something that some sort of fire that they were involved in that they're getting an award for you know like from the city or something like that and she runs into a guy who assaulted her in high school sexually assaulted her in high school and she has no idea he's going to be there and she reacts in a very public, kind of, like a very obvious kind of public way Um, and he is, now I'm trying to remember, I feel like he is he the mayor or something? I can't remember but he's like a prominent public figure Mm -hmm. and so she I don't want to say exactly what happens because I think part of the enjoyment is just reading it in the story but something happens that she then loses her job because of the way she reacts when she sees him and her chief, I guess is that one a fire sure. station. Sure. Yeah. That Whoever right. her boss is. <laughs> you know, he knows he knows that she's a really good firefighter and he knows that um, this is this event was totally separate from her ability to do the job, but he it was a public thing and so he knows she has to has to be let go and he offers that he'll try to find her a job somewhere else, you know, and just get her right in somewhere so she she doesn't have to be searching for a job. So around the same time, her mother reaches out to her, and her mother left the family when Cassie was 16 years old. In fact, I think it's on her birthday, on her 16th birthday, she leaves. Oh, gosh. Which, and it's this... Oh, I don't want to say that. That might be a spoiler. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> it's around the same time that she had this assault happen. Um, so... She doesn't look back on that time uh, very fondly, of course, and she a lot of what happened in that time with her mom leaving is sort of what made her into the person who she is today. She, she built up walls, and she's not going to let anybody hurt her again, and, and so her mom reaches out to her and says that she is losing her vision and asks if she's willing to come and stay with her for a while uh, f- to help her adjust to life without having vision. Well, Cass- Cassie doesn't love that idea, but at the same time, she at, at this point, she doesn't have a job. She knows that most likely she's not going to be able to get a job in the area near Austin because everybody knows what happened. So her former boss is able to call up to um, a fire station near Boston and get her a job. So she thinks, OK, I'll go and I'll do this and take care of my mom for a little while because that's sort of the right thing to do. But she's not excited about it, <laughs> and she's not feeling particularly warm and fuzzy towards her, her mother, but she just thinks, okay, I will do this. Um, well, the fire station that she joins is really kind of old school, and all the guys there are not very excited at all about the prospect of a woman joining them. But she is determined to show she is strong and she can do the job just as well as they can and you know wants to really impress them and show them that she's a good team member. At the same time, another guy starts as a rookie and it becomes apparent soon that he and Cassie are basically in competition for one permanent spot on the team. Mm. So then it becomes even escalated. It's not only that she has to prove herself, it's also that there's a job at stake and she needs a job. So you have all these elements. You have Cassie and her mom trying to repair a really, really fractured relationship. And and her mom clearly doesn't realize at first the impact that it had on Cassie. Um, And then Cassie is having to totally start over in her career and basically her whole life. So you have that aspect as well. And then you have a little bit of a mystery because someone seems to be trying to sabotage her at the fire station and you're not sure who is. So she's trying to figure that out. And then she and the new rookie kind of have a little bit of a connection. So there's a real little bit of a romance. Um, So it's just a lot. It's a very emotional story. uh, And it was one of those books that I started and just couldn't put down because of the way it was written. It just drew me right in and I wanted to find out what happened next. And it just had enough different elements to it that all, they were all about Cassie, so they were all you know tied together. But it really kept my interest throughout the whole thing. So that is "Things You Save in a Fire" by Catherine Center. She, you're right that she's an author that I see cited a lot, but I have never,
1: I've never read, and I've never, like, it kind of came out of nowhere of mm-hmm. of seeing her all over the place. So, mm-hmm. so I need to get more into that. Yeah, I do want to read more from her. Um, Okay, last for me is Little Beach Street Bakery by Jenny Colgan. And um, I love this series. (laughs) Um, It's the series that convinced me that I could like romance and women's fiction, as we used to call it. Now mm-hmm. we, we call it relationship fiction. Um, and I just find it so charming. Yeah. And it's it's just such a sweet series. So it's about a woman named Polly Waterford. And she lives in, I think, Plymouth in England. And she has a design business with her boyfriend, Chris, but it's not going well. And um, we, we start the book with them really trying to figure out what their next steps are going to be because they're realizing that they have to declare bankruptcy. And so um, they're taking those steps and figuring out how they have to downscale their life and really pivot um, completely to something else and what that's going to look like. But she and Chris, she thinks, are fine. And then she realizes in the midst of this process that they're not working either and that Neither of them is, is the person that they really should be because of, of this relationship. So, um, so they break up and so she really has nothing other than her belongings. And so she, uh, can't afford to live in Plymouth anymore. So she moves to a tiny island town off the coast of Cornwall called, uh, Mount Polbierne. And, um, it's accessible only by a causeway when the tide is, uh, low, like, yeah, low (laughs) and, um, but when the tide comes in it's completely cut off and becomes this this complete island and so um they rely there on fishing and summer tourism for the economy and those are both very tricky things to maintain because they're they're uh easily uh, manipulated and and can can change quickly so um the apartment that she finds is the only thing that she could afford to um to live in that was a reachable distance distance to plymouth um, where she expects that she'll be job searching but when she gets there it's this, this complete wreck and she uh realizes it's about it's above an abandoned bakery and the entire thing looks horrifying and so she does what she can to get it cleaned up um and is trying to figure out what she needs to do to get her life back on track and and what job she can do and so in in uh needing some sort of stress relief she reverts to her hobby of bread baking and as uh i can't remember if it's the first time she bakes or or early on she she attracts the attention of some fishermen that are docked outside the the um building where she she lives there she's kind of on the waterfront, and so um so there's just this group of fishermen who who can smell the bread and so they um ask for some and she shares and then she gets this reputation for her baking so somehow I don't remember in the process. It's been too long since I've read this book and I I didn't have a copy to check. Somehow she wants to start baking in the ovens in the shop below and her landlord uh, and the owner of the shop refuses to give access because she's just a very uh, mean-spirited and cantankerous woman and she's distrustful of polly and and sees her as this outsider and they just don't get along at all but somehow um that in a way i don't remember <laughs> she's uh, able to get permission and she turns her her hobby into eventually a full-time job with with what becomes the little beach street bakery and so she builds the relationships with with the locals there and um A lot of, most of the town sees her as this breath of fresh air that's that's sort of revitalizing this community and brings something new to it where it's been really stagnant for many years and she starts to develop relationships with two men and one of them is one of the fishermen that she met um, that first day with her baking and then the other is an American that she uh, is trying to partner with, um, who lives on the mainland, um, he keeps bees. And so she, she wants to have some sort of partnership with his honey. So, um, so there's like this, this, of course. Sorry, that sounds
0: like a euphemism.
1: Well, I wouldn't know about that, Hallie.
0: Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Moving God.
1: <laughs> so one of the things I, that really convinced me of the 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 relationship fiction could be for me was that the relationships in this book are are all just very honest and and they're they're still kind of over the top because they're um you know that's just the nature of of this book but mm-hmm. they're they're they have conflicts but they they don't revert to a woman not speaking and right. and like being so Uh, the only reason that they can maintain the conflict is because she doesn't speak up Mm -hmm. polly is willing to speak up and they have realistic uh disagreements um in between her and and the people Mm -hmm. that she's dealing with and and so that was just really refreshing to me to to read Um, and that applies to the friendships it applies to the romantic relationships and to her business relationships and so um it it just felt a lot more mature to me than than some of the other Mm. uh chiclet that i had read in the past so um so this book and the other jenny colgan books i just have all really enjoyed and and they're more about getting yourself back on your feet and becoming your best person and and sort of that process of of finding the um the reserves of talent and creativity Mm -hmm. and and perseverance that you you sort of don't give yourself so um yeah and and plus there's lots of tall strapping British men to to go along with Love that process so yeah no, nothing bad there oh and there's the puffin I forgot about the puffin he's there's a puffin named Neil <laughs> and he's very cute and That's he's a, a great normal. pet yeah it's just a it's a it's a very fun book so that is Little Beach Street Bakery by Jenny Colgan
0: I haven't read that one but I do like Jenny Colgan a lot everything I've read by her in fact at one point I went through a phase where if I found an author I liked I would try to go through all of the books they had written from the first one and oh, read in order like, chronologically. She was one of the ones I did that with. And I started, I don't know what I read of hers, but some cute chiclet kind of book. And she has uh, that Cupcake Cafe yeah, series. Did you read I that don't know. One? I'd have to go. Uh, I don't know if I, I think I've read one of those maybe. But anyway, whatever I read, I really, really enjoyed, and then went back and started from the beginning. But as I said, it was a phase I went through, so I don't do mm-hmm. that anymore. And um, I might get back to it once I have more freedom in my reading life. But yeah. uh, that was—I I, like doing it. I did it with lots of different authors, actually. I did, it was—it wasn't a short phase; it was quite a long phase. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so my last one is "Grown Up" Pose by Sonia Lali, and I have kind of a funny story about this. So. There This was a book I was sure I had talked about on the podcast. Absolutely <laughs> 100% sure. And then I looked it up one day because I thought, well, I've been wrong before. So I'm going to look at the spreadsheet. Wasn't on the spreadsheet. So I thought, OK, I'm going to talk about it. Started to try- write my notes about it and stopped again and thought, I know I have talked about this book on the podcast. Like, there is no way. I was also like, as I was, I, so I, my notes are just little bullet points of stuff I want to make sure that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing the, these bullet points, I was saying, I have done this before. I know this is the strangest <laughs> feeling. Like, I know I've done this before. But then I checked the spreadsheet again. And I know you keep really accurate spreadsheet. You know, it's all up to date. So I knew yeah. that, that was correct. And I was like, I, I, this is the oddest thing. I it wasn't a sense of deja vu. It was it was I was really sure I had talked about it. So I ended up, you know, writing up my notes and doing my thing. And then I wrote up my notes, I guess, yesterday, maybe. Anyway, and I went later in the day, all of a sudden, I thought, oh, my gosh, I talked about this book on something, on a webinar I did for work. And so so (laughs) I do a fair number of, like, trainings and webinars and things through my job, and I often use the same microphone setup and stuff for that that I do for the podcast. So in my mind, I was picturing every stuff of it. It was the notes that I had done. And uh, so I keep an iPad in in front of me with the notes. And so I knew I had done that. I could picture the microphone. But (laughs) it was all for a different outlet, a different medium. So I thought that was pretty funny. Sorry. That's really funny.
1: I wish you had remembered in time so you could have just cribbed your, your notes. From- I know,
0: right? I wasn't smart I enough to do that. I just plowed on and then now oh. I thought oh, I could have searched for those notes and found them. Anyway, so uh, this is about a woman named Anusha Desai and she's in her 30s and she got married pretty young. I'm not not super young but she married the her childhood sweetheart. Okay. And um, she that was very much the expectation of her family and her culture is that you marry somebody upstanding and good and you have a family and that's sort of life's greatest happiness is is having a family and having love in your life and and so she went along with that and now she's in I think her late 30s maybe early 40s now that I think about it but she starts looking back and thinking I don't I don't actually know if that's what I wanted out of life. That's what people around me wanted for my life. And that's what I was sort of raised to think I wanted out of my life. But I never got to do the things I wanted to do. And now here I am 10 or so, 10 plus years into my marriage. And I have this husband who I feel like sort of takes me for granted. And she has a daughter who is kind of like the light of her life. She loves, loves, loves her daughter. But she, other than that, she feels like she doesn't really have anything that's her own or doesn't even have a sense of what would be her own because she's never gotten a chance to explore it so she tells her husband to leave and says it's i (gasps) i don't want i don't want to be a disparage anymore i want to take time to figure out what i want and i don't think it's you so he he leaves and she decides this is her opportunity to live life that she didn't get to live earlier and so she truly does sort of go through all the different experiences that you can have when you're single and um, she has a child obviously but she she goes traveling and she meets a man and they spent the night together and she does the things that she never got to do and one of the things that she does um, sort of impetuously is she goes to a yoga studio And the yoga studio is actually for sale and she ends up buying it. It's sort of like, it's sort of (laughs) funny the way it happens, but she ends up buying it and then trying to make a success of it. And she starts figuring out that maybe not all of the aspects of her old life were bad. Maybe it was just that she didn't have enough that fulfilled her in other ways outside of her marriage and being a mother. And so what I liked about this book especially was it's, it's a, very sweet story about both taking chances and and figuring out what you want out of life, but also not necessarily throwing away all of the stuff that you're walking away from. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's still room for for some of that, and it's also a lot about being respectful. Of she still wants to be respectful of her parents. She still wants to be respectful of the. Cultural heritage that she was raised in. So there's that's not an element that I've seen a lot in relationship fiction about sort of um, wanting to honor that that you were raised in a certain way, and so mm-hmm. wanting to to abide by that while also exploring kind of your own happiness and your own freedoms. And so what the book that came to mind and is it Aisha at last. We, I think we talked about oh, that. Yeah. Book. Anyway, that was that did a similar thing. It talked a little bit about um, there was an element of the story that talked about being respectful of the cultural obligations or expectations while still being personally fulfilled. And so this book did did something similar. And it's just about finding what makes you happy in life, whatever that means. Whether it is sort of going against the grain or going against how you were raised, or blending what you want with how you were raised so that's yeah. grown-up pose by sonia lally i've had that one on my list too and i haven't gotten to it but it sounds really good one thing i will say about it so if anybody picks this up i thought it started out kind of rough in fact i almost set it aside and it the part of it is because you start out after she's already kicked her husband out and then it flashes back, but it's not super clear when you're starting that that's what's going on. And so I don't know, it just felt kind of scattered at the beginning to me, or there was sort of abrupt changes that I thought, I don't know about this book. But then the more I read it, the more it all falls into place that you're starting to get to know her and you're getting to know the story, and then it's so enjoyable. But I will say that, I will warn people that I, I did, when I picked it up, think, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't hmm. know about this one, but um, yeah. but it does come together. So all right well we will be right back with what we're reading this week
1: okay Anne, what are you reading this week i am reading sci-fi
0: shocking actually not i that, know because i am on the same committee you are on and i know that this is part of the deal but go for it let's tell tell our listeners
1: i'm still feeling pretty proud of myself i so. would be proud of myself too yes so it's called the doors or just Without the doors of sleep by Tim Pratt, and this was recommended by another committee member, and so I ended up giving it a shot and I really like it. it's oh, good. it's been very enjoyable so far. So it's about a man named Zax who is a traveler. so he goes from uh or so he he's from a world where he worked as a harmonizer, which um I guess is a kind of social worker. so he's very invested in finding positive solutions to problems and finding. Um, the best in people and leaving things better than how he found them. And he goes to sleep one night, and he suddenly wakes up in a different world, and he has no idea what what in his sleep changed and how that that um, that mechanism is working. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, realizes that every time he goes to sleep, he's going to travel to a different world, and he figures out that he's in a multiverse and that. Um, this is this is just the way it is now so he this goes on for a while and he learns to manipulate his sleep a bit so that he can stay awake longer if he needs to or he has drugs that he um finds in different worlds that help him fall asleep instantly if he realizes once he wakes up that he's in in immediate danger and eventually he meets someone in one of these worlds and they just have this immediate connection and so he explains to her what's going to happen but she says she wants to stay with him while he falls asleep and so he's holding her and when he wakes up she has traveled with him but she was awake while they were traveling and she goes insane from that process from whatever she she saw between their worlds and so he vows he will never do this again but he later realizes that if another if if the person that he's holding is also asleep then they can travel safely with him so this opens up all kinds of possibilities of, of having companionship where he's been really lonely up to this point so when we meet him um, he has just left or he's just lost one companion and he goes to a new world that's based on agriculture and he uh, in her, in this person's perspective, he just sort of magically appears before someone. So he appears before um, a worker named Minna, who is very kind and has this this sort of innocent personality. Um, But Zax realizes that she's basically a slave to some power. And so he invites her to travel with him and she's completely enthralled with this idea. And so they, they sort of are happily jumping from world to world together, um, and they have some danger and some excitement and, and some experiences during this this part. But they don't realize through oh, mm-hmm. Joseph's awake. <laughs> yeah. um, they don't realize that they're actually being followed. And so we find out that Zax had had a companion in the past named the lector who was a scientist and at first had really helped him understand the mechanics of the. The sleep and world hopping better and encouraged him to look for patterns and what what was happening with him but then eventually became disenchanted with it and wanted more power and the ability to to basically control it and so their relationship soured and um zax had to get away from him for for his own safety but he didn't realize that the lector had figured out enough about him and and what was going on with him to be able to follow him across the multiverse so um so there's this new danger that's that's uh that's happening in the book so um it's very if you're a fan of doctor who it's to me very reminiscent of that because it has that same i mean the plot itself is very similar to going to different planets and and things Mm -hmm. um with a companion but there's that same feeling of optimism and willingness to see the good and Um, that sense of wonder that that sort of is is just a, a hallmark of that show um, and so it's really helped me to see what fans of the genre like because mm-hmm. he spends a little time in each world. You know, it's not going to be permanent, and sometimes it's just a paragraph where where he, they go and they decide not to stay someplace. But um, but there's a little bit of description about that world, and so you're able to see the author's imagination at work as he's creating each environment and and goes into its beauties or its dangers. And and I know for sci-fi fans, that's that's the appeal is is just these these new worlds Mm -hmm. that that are uh, open to them so um, I don't think that I will ever be a huge sci-fi fan um, Mm -hmm. no matter what I just can't see that happening but I think that's because I just try too hard to understand the science and I don't have that background and so I it just ends up frustrating me a lot but um, but if I'm floating along and just sort of don't try to concentrate too hard on on what's going on and, and just sort of follow the plot, then I'm finding this very enjoyable. So I have been shocked. <laughs> and that is Doors of Sleep by by Tim Pratt.
0: That sounds like one that I would like also.
1: Yeah, I think I can see you liking this one. The yeah. characters are just really, really enjoyable. Yeah. So.
0: And I tend yeah. to like sort of multiverse time travel, yeah. anything having to do those are the if I'm going to like a science fiction, those tend to be the science fiction novels that I like. So Right. Yeah. Uh, All right. So um, actually, while we took our our little break, I realized there was a book that I wanted to mention that I I was so tempted to talk about today, but I've talked about it on the podcast before. So I just decided to go with three new books that I hadn't Spoken about, but the Garden of Small Beginnings by Abby Waxman is a great oh, starting yeah. over, fresh start story about a woman who loses her husband uh, very young. She's in her 30s. She has two small children, and about her going and um, joining a gardening class. It's actually because of work that she does it. But she ends up surrounded by people who form kind of a community for her and her sister's very supportive and joins with her. Anyway, I loved it. I thought it was funny and sweet and sort of a little bit sad, you know, all those things that I love, but I did want to mention that as another fresh start story. That's a good one. Nice. Okay. So, uh, what I was reading this week, as I mentioned, I've actually finished this one and moved on to something else, but this is Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. And I apologize. It actually doesn't come out until June 1st. I thought it came out in May, but, um, I was wrong. It's still a month away, but now you just have something to look forward to along with that first book you talked about. (laughs) Uh, This one is a romance novel, and it's about two people who knew each other for a brief time in high school, but had a pretty intense sort of connection at the time. And now 15 years later, they come into each other's lives again. And you know from the get-go that the relationship did not end in a way when they were teenagers. That has left the door open for communication between the two of them. So they, they have not talked. They have not seen each other since then. So then the story flips back and forth between the past and the present. And you can see their relationship from as teenagers evolve. And then you can see it's in seven days, <laughs> over seven days in the present day of them sort of reconnecting and coming back together and what that means for them. So they're both – I liked this aspect of it very much. They're both authors, and uh, the woman's name is Ava. She writes paranormal romances. Um, She writes a very popular series that's one of those series that gets uh, very avid fans who dress up like the characters, and they get (laughs) tattoos like the characters and all those things, but she's not really – well regarded as sort of a literary author but she's very popular among the people that read the books and she knows so she's on book 15 and she knows it's a pretty steady payday to put out these books once a year but it's not really fulfilling her anymore she would really like to write something different but she's a single mom she has a daughter uh the the daughter's father is still in the picture. The daughter goes and visits her him over the summer in California, but he I mean, for all intents and purposes, Ava is raising this, this daughter on her own. Um, and then Shane is the guy um, and he also is an author and he writes literary f- fiction that's very well regarded, uh, gets awards and great reviews, and um, he's been a bit of a mystery. Like, he tends to not go to public events very often or do author talks or anything like that so when he does show up people kind of clamor to get to talk to him so they run into each other because ava is on a panel and shane has been um or no maybe it's the opposite i think ava was called in like as a last minute replacement for somebody that couldn't join and shane is uh there as well and so they see each other for the first time, and it becomes clear to everybody in the audience that there's some sort of connection between these two people. Like, it's clear mm-hmm. that, that they know each other from the past. And what comes out pretty quickly is that that people in the audience realize that the main characters of their books are based on the other person. And so they have basically spent the last 15 years writing books about this lost love that they had. So which, of oh course, gosh. intrigues the, the people the, all the readers and... Suddenly they're on social media and stuff because people are can't believe that this author who is sort of like a little bit reclusive, I mean, not a full recluse, but just not very much in the public eye. And this author who writes these sort of fluffy, a little bit salacious kind of romance novels that they they know each other and they might be a couple. So you get to see them as they sort of reconnect and They carry a lot of baggage based on what happened to them before. They also had pretty difficult childhoods, which have affected their. Relationships as adults. Uh, One aspect I really liked is the depiction of Ava because she has severe migraines, which she has to deal with. And you don't often see characters with chronic illnesses depicted in romances. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it actually, a couple of years ago, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert also had a main character with a chronic illness. And it's just nice to see that represented in a way where. This woman is a successful woman. This is an aspect of her life that she has to deal with. At times, it's a very difficult aspect of her life that she has to deal with. And she has to leave events early because of it. And she sort of makes excuses. She doesn't want a whole lot of people knowing what's going on. But she still is able to have a life. And so that is just something, just like any other representation, that we like to see in in books we read. You like to see – reality reflected in books and so that's a reality for a lot of people and so i just like i just like seeing it so uh as far as a romance goes it was a bit more angsty than i generally like you all if you have listened to any episodes of the podcast (laughs) you know i like romantic comedies quite a bit sort of the lighter funnier um rom-coms contemporary romances with humor but not necessarily the the more um and not that there was a ton of sometimes angst I don't know the angst is the right word, but just there were, these are kind of damaged people and, yeah. um, fine, you know, f- coming together and they're, they're bringing that to the relationship. Um, and so, but I, I really thought it was very, very well done. Um, and so that is seven days in June by Tia Williams. Again, I'm sorry, it doesn't come out till June 1st.
1: That was when I actually thought was, was more literary fiction. Um, Oh yeah. Before, before you, you said it was romance. So, yeah. um,
0: so that's, yeah, that's the cover the cover definitely could go either either way, I think. Yeah. It's a beautiful it's, cover. A beautiful. But it, it doesn't look very romancey Almost like a painting. It's yeah. beautiful of two people. Yeah. It's beautiful. All right. Uh so that's it for uh the book part of it. So why don't we go back and list off all the books <laughs> we talked about today?
1: Okay. I talked about So We Meet Again by Suzanne Park, Crimson Lake by Candace Fox, little beach street bakery by jenny colgan and what i'm reading this week is doors of sleep by tim pratt again a sci-fi novel
0: (laughs) mark the date (laughs) Uh, all right and i talked about the switch by beth o'leary things you save in a fire by katherine center grown-up pose by sonia lally and what i was reading this week is seven days in june by tia williams uh, so if you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Well Read Podcast. I will say our next episode is based on another listener suggestion. So thank you. Uh, you will see that coming in a couple of weeks uh so please if you have any ideas reach out to us we are so open to your ideas and so far the listener suggestions we've ever gotten we've loved doing so please please don't hesitate to reach out our theme music is kitten by pottington bear we keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode thank you all for listening and happy.